In, uh, in the book of Mark chapter 12, reading there, and then also in Luke chapter, uh, chapter 10. <clears throat> but the, the Word of God is really quite simple. And I want to paraphrase everything here and then give you some scripture. From the very beginning, God created man because he wanted to fellowship with us. And when he saw his creation, he loved it. But he gave us a free will. And, and he loved mankind and has always loved mankind. And if you read the Old Covenant, it's all about love. It's a love story. Now, there are some things that he put in there that he had to introduce because man would not love God the way God loved him in the garden. And man wanted to exercise his will, not God's will. So in the Old Covenant, there are no blessings that God does not still want us to have, but there are a lot of the things that he had in the old covenant that we don't have that we're going to have to suffer in the new covenant. So turn to your neighbor and say, thank God I'm born in the new covenant. Because the penalties in the old covenant were pretty bad because God loved his creation and he wanted to get their attention so he could love them and so he could fellowship with them. Now, in the new covenant, it's really quite simple. It was very difficult for me to grasp this. But the word that we're talking about tonight is it's all about love. Can you all say that? Say it again. And we know that it's talking and what we're referring to is the agape type of love that is without condition. Doesn't matter how you act, I'm walking in love. We are going to walk in love. We're going to walk in love and we're going to walk in love. It's not the word that we say, man, I'd love to have a Coke. I'd love to have a fruit drink. I'd love to have some popcorn. That does sound good. But, <laughs> but maybe later, eight o'clock, we'll hurry this up. But but it's not the same type of love. We're talking about a word that is absolutely separate from all of that. And when you study the Old Covenant back in the book of Deuteronomy, when God spoke about and God gave the greatest commandment, and he said, this is the greatest commandment. Now, whether it be the Old Covenant or the New Covenant, if there's one commandment that is the greatest, then that probably is the one we should focus on. Is that right? Turn to your neighbor and say, are you getting this? In other words, the, the, if somebody came up to you and said, this is the greatest thing that you could ever do for God, and he would love you eternally and bless you forever, and it's the only thing you have to remember, couldn't you remember one thing? You could, could you not? And in the book of Deuteronomy, it says what basically Jesus repeated and referred to in the book of Mark when he was asked by the scribes, what is the greatest commandment of all? Now, I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, I brought the old man in with me. I brought all the junk that I had in my mind, in my flesh, and while my spirit wasn't reborn until I got saved, everything that I was before I got saved, I still remembered it after I got saved. Can I see the hands of all the people that that is exactly the life you lived? Brought it all in with me. Now, did I feel better about myself because I got saved? Sure did. But did I feel the way God wanted me to feel about myself? Sure didn't. Because the memories I love... Elvis, a song about memories. Uh, it, I don't know if he's the one who first recorded or not, but memory uh, oh, just went out my mind. Glory to God, and I have the mind of Christ, and so do you. Memories, 
Memories press between the pages of my mind. Now, how many of you realize you've got memories pressed between the pages of your mind? Good, bad, and extremely ugly. Every single one of us do have. And if we're not careful, we'll pull up the wrong memories. I love 50s music. And most of it is really great stuff. Every once in a while, you'll hear some of it that I personally have to be careful of because I can feel it pulling me back into a place that I don't need to go. Uh, matter of fact, 1959, the number one country western song at one time during the course of the year was, I'll pick you up on my way down. Well, how many of you realize that's not too uplifting just by the title, uh, let alone by the words that go to that title? Well, I could relate to that song. And, but, but what we've got to do is realize that when Jesus comes into our life, we truly become a new creation. And uh, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, we know that 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love and God cannot change who he is. That's 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says that you and I are to be imitators of God as dear little children. So if we're going to imitate God, then we're going to be full of God's love and we're going to walk with God's love everywhere that we go, no matter what happens, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's the kicker. No matter what happens, we're going to see God cannot change. When you go out and sin and do things that you shouldn't, if that should happen, God does not change. He is still love. And he still loves you. He doesn't approve of what you do. And there are consequences to some of the things that you could do and get caught up in, but he loves you regardless of what you do. Now, this is not a license to sin, but God cannot change who he is. Tell your neighbor, God can't change who he is. Once we are born again, now this is a difficult message sometimes for me to live, so I'm not living in a glass house. Why do you even say that? Is that an old expression? Why do you say that? I thought you knew everything. Okay, well, anyway, what I have to really work at this message, too. But if God can't change who he is, meaning he is love, and if we are supposed to be like him, then no matter what happens to us, we should not change either. Is that correct? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm with him so far. Okay, going to get a little deeper, but that's okay. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. You can just write that scripture down because we're going to go to Mark chapter 12. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9, it basically says what we are going to read. Oh, my nose is running. Glory to God. This is the most. I can sit out there and watch you preach, honey, and my nose never runs. I come up here. Hallelujah. Kind of embarrassing standing up here in front. None of you saw that, did you? Good. In, we're going to read in, in Mark chapter 12 because if, if this message can really set you free, I believe, well, let me just give you my life. I believe there are times in my life when things happen, whether I do it or somebody else does it, that affect me emotionally, then it affects me spiritually, and then it affects my love walk. Can I see the hands of all the people who can relate to what I just said? Make sure I got the right group. Okay. Yet, scripturally, it shouldn't. 
because we have made a decision and we have received by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's fruit is love, and that we are capable of walking in love no matter what happens. And the entire Bible from the very beginning until the very end is based on a love story. And it's a love story of a father, God, who wants restoration with his creation. He loves everybody. And there's a gentleman that came in here Sunday. Pam made reference to it Sunday. Uh, or no, he came in here Saturday while we were decorating the church. <clears throat> it, well, uh, some people were decorating the church, and I was sitting there, and he was, he was a street person. And, uh, and he just walked in. He said, I saw the sign and uh, knew that I could get my phone charged here. And uh, something a little more spiritual than that, but that's okay. So he came in to get his phone charged, and we sat down and talked. And he didn't want any part of the Lord. He didn't want any part of Jesus. Wasn't able to penetrate what was there. But basically, I did just ask him, well, if you want to do it your way, how's it going? How's it going? And he just looked at me with this look and as if to say, it's really going poorly. And then he said, would you like to buy my coat? And I said, no, I wouldn't like to buy your coat. But I said, I gather that it's not going really well. How many of you realize there is a song out there too saying, I did it my way? Can I see the hands of all the people who used to do it your way? Yeah, I turned to your neighbor and said, I found out that didn't work. Uh, there's only one way, and that is his way to do it. And, uh, but anyway, to make a long story short, as I was sitting there with this person, uh, some of the answers he was giving to me, I didn't really like them. I didn't like his attitude. I found myself becoming a little judgmental of him. Now, can I see the hands of all the people who know somebody who every once in a while is like that? Thank you for that one hand. And, and, uh, but, you know, then I just prayed uh, softly to myself, but God helped me see him the way you see him. And uh, it was a lot different. Because what I thought of was, what if that was one of my children? What if that was any of my children? They wouldn't have offended me. I would have done everything I could to help them. I tried to help them, but I couldn't other than I gave them some money. But if it's one of your children or one of your grandchildren, you look at it differently. Every person on the face of this earth is a child of God, either restored to God or away from God. And that you and I are assigned to love every single person on the face of this earth. Now, let's all say, I can do it. Along the way, you will find some that are easier to love than others, but that's okay. We're going to love them all. Now, in Mark chapter 10, or 12, verse 10, excuse me, verse 28, it, uh, it, it's, it's, it's the scribe who asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all? And, and when he asked him this question, Jesus responded, well, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. This is the first commandment. But then he didn't stop. And the second, like it, is this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is so powerful. There is no other commandment greater Jesus put both commandments right out of Deuteronomy together and said this is the most important thing, that you would love God as he instructed, but you would also love your neighbor as yourself. Most of us, and this is the crux of the message today, most of us 
have, condition, un, have conditional love, not for God, but for ourselves. We love ourselves when we're doing well, the way God loves us, but when we really mess up, or somebody messes us up, we stop loving ourselves and seeing the self the way God sees us, and we begin to become emotional. Can I see the hands of all the people? You know somebody I'm describing. Okay, thank you. And when that happens, then we start to be different from what God wants us to be. When I am right with myself, I can love anybody. But when I'm right, not right with myself, with the Lord, the way he loves me, I have a problem. I start to withdraw. Can I see the hands of all the withdrawal people? You just withdraw. And you're just going to, and what you're doing, you're taking yourself out of the action. You're removing yourself from Ephesians 5.1. I'm no longer going to be imitators, an imitator of God. I'm going to lick my wound somewhere. I'm going to go away, and I'm going to hide. And what happens then, if you do that long enough, it becomes a stronghold in your life based on what's going on around you instead of what you are seeing that God wants you to see. Does this make sense to you? In, in other words, you're not uh, focusing on what God wants you to focus on, which is the greatest commandment, that we would love our neighbor as ourself. Love is totally unconditional. Uh, unconditional. They're, they're, and, and this is my definition. If, if agape love is unconditional, it means there are no conditions. It means that Vicki loves Will no matter what he does. I mean, when he does exactly what she would want, she loves him unconditionally. And when he does otherwise, she just says, Will, what do you want? Anything. And, and vice versa. And they do that for their neighbors and all the people and your in-laws and your outlaws and all the people, and you start to walk in a new dimension. Now, this message is also medicinal, because without it, when you have conditional love for yourself, does God have conditional love for you or unconditional? Say it like you mean it. Okay, so he has unconditional love for you, and he wants you to be like him, so what kind of love should you have for your neighbors? What kind of love should you have for yourself? And if you have unconditional love, what are the conditions? Turn your neighbor and say, there are none. There are none. You get up in the morning, you look in the mirror and say, oh, I like that. Glory to God. We're going to go out and we're going to win the world today. And I'm going to be exciting for God because his Holy Spirit is in me. I don't have to work at walking in love. I have love. Now, listen, I want to say that again. I don't have to work at walking in love. I have love. I, now, listen, if you get this message, you are not God. So turn to him and say, you are not God. But if God is love, and God is in you, and you are to imitate him, could you say you are love? And that everywhere you go, I'm going to love somebody, no matter what they do. You want to tick me off? Watch me love you. I'll tell you what, I'll drive you crazy loving you. I'm going to smile at you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to wave at you. I'm going to do all sorts of good. Wouldn't they think that you are a peculiar person. Isn't it interesting that we are called to be a peculiar person? People think you're weird anyway. Why not be peculiar? You, and, and when you get this deep inside of you, it begins to change your life. Now, 
I want you to look at Luke chapter 10. Actually, Jesus went on into verse 34 and said, if you get this message, you are not far from the kingdom of God. In other words, you are going to live in the kingdom of God. I believe the most important thing in your life and my life is to walk in love. It isn't our finances. It isn't the will of God. Uh, and I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. It isn't the faith. It isn't, it isn't uh, grace. It isn't all these things because you can look all through here and find all these things that you should be and should do, right? But once you establish love, and I love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength, I want to please him, and he wants me to walk by faith. Well, I'm going to do that. He wants me to tithe. I'm going to do that. Why? Because I love God, and that's because it's written in the book. Does that make sense to any of you? Because if you get to the point when you say, well, it's written in a book, I have to do it. That's not love. Pam comes in to me and says, hey, honey, (laughs) I'm trying to think of something. (laughs) I got some. Honey, I want you to come over here and lay on this couch. I'm going to give you a back rub. I'm going to do it because I have to, but I don't really want to. I don't know. I'd still take it, but it wouldn't be quite right. But if she come out and said, honey, I love you so much. Come on over here. I want to give you a back rub. Would you want to do that tonight? <laughs> and and you, get, you, get to the, you get to the point when you don't serve God because you have to. You will never continually, consistently serve anybody because you have to. You will consistently serve somebody because you love them. And when you love God with all your heart, and he says, walk by faith, not by sight, I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. Why? Because it's written? No. Was that written in there? Oh, that's really good. It confirms what I know in my spirit I should be doing. Grace, unmerited favor? Yeah, I'll take that. But if we look at all the things without developing the love walk, understanding, walking in love, and loving God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, everything about us. That's why I believe in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Thank God, faith, and thank God for hope, and all these things. But the greatest gift is gift of love. If you get this right, you'll be okay. You say, well, I don't have enough money, but I love God, and we're going to move on with what he's called me to do. My health isn't quite where it should be, and I'm believing for healing, but I love God, and I'm going to move on. My neighbor throws garbage over the fence every night, but I'm going to clean it up throw it back no and I, and I'm going to love and I'm going to love him right where he is I'm going to love him right where he is uh, if 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 you if you get a hold of what I just said there and you do it then you you've missed the whole message tonight now if you look in Luke chapter 10 where we were going it's uh it, it's another situation another question that came to Jesus and basically this person uh, a scribe wanted to justify uh, themselves, and uh, it was a lawyer, and, uh, and and basically it starts out in Luke chapter ten, verse twenty-five. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, "Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus answered and and responded. Jesus did this a lot. He would ask he would ask a answer a question with a question. What is written in the law, and what is your reading of it? Are your understanding of it? He was bringing this person back to, well, what do you think is the greatest commandment? 
And, and the, the lawyer basically said, well, it is, and quoted Deuteronomy, I love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. And they said, well, you've, you've answered rightly, do this and you will live. But the attorney wanted to justify himself. He wanted to make sure what that meant. Maybe he didn't even want any conditions on that. How many people am I going to have to love? And his response was, well, who is my neighbor? That's not a bad response. Ask, your neighbor, ask that person next to you, who's my neighbor? Oh, well, it's Fred. It's somebody I know. Well, it's Ed. Yeah, somebody I know. Okay, I can understand that. I can love Ed. But I tell you what, two doors down, not, not that guy. He's got a big barking dog, and I don't even like him. No, no, that's not what it's talking about, because the example then that Jesus gave us is really an awesome example when he said and, and gave this example starting out in uh, verse number 30. Uh, Jesus, when he said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus responded, well, let, let me give you this example. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, uh, stripped him of all of his clo- clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. And now by chance, a certain priest came by, should have helped him, but he crossed over. A certain Levite came by, he crossed over. He was in a hurry to get to a meeting. And, uh, but a Samaritan came. Now, some of you know this, some of you may not. But Samaria uh, is, is, was a group of people that some had been of the Jewish faith, but they had mixed their faith with other people. They had come away from the tradition of, of worship, uh, and, and, and they were despised, and they were kind of a despicable type of race and people to the Jewish people. Now, it doesn't say this specifically in the Bible, but the person who left and was on the road, many people think it was a Jewish person of a Jewish faith. Whether it was or not, I don't think we know definitely. But, but we do know that the Samaritan was mentioned, that he came out and he helped that person, put him on his horse, took him to the inn. And, and it goes on to say, and I'm paraphrasing all of this just for time's sake, but took him to the inn and paid for everything and said that if he needs anything else, when, when, uh, when I come again, I will repay you. In other words, the good Samaritan, the person who was despised by the Jewish people because of the area they lived in and the practice and the intermarriage and all of those things, this person went out of their way, not only financially and time-wise, but said, and by the way, if there's any other needs that this person has, let me know, and when I come again, I will take care of it. I have read in some commentaries and some books that this is a, a, a preview of the rapture. In other words, that Jesus has us here walking in love. And, and whether it is or not, I don't know, but it makes sense to me that Jesus has us here as royal ambassadors to meet the needs of people. The scripture that we read earlier in the book of Proverbs that he who lends to the poor, excuse me, not he who lends to the poor, he who gives to the poor lends to God and God will repay. And, and, and that, so this person who you and I are here to help hurting people. This church is here to help hurting people. Take, take the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus to the world, to help the brokenhearted, to open the prison doors, and, and, and to set the captives free. And, and many of you came to this church that way, 
Thank God some of you came with your act together. We appreciate that. But for the most part, most of the people come to this church are coming, and they're going to fulfill what we're here for, to share the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus with them. So <clears throat> this good Samaritan was told that, that when this person, or this, uh, the good Samaritan said that when I, when I come back again, if there's anything else that is owed, I'll take care of it then. Do you suppose that this could be a reference to the rapture? I don't know for sure, but that God is watching. That is true. Turn to your neighbor and say, that part's true. God is watching everything that we do. He is watching the motive of our hearts. And when we give to the poor and the hurting people, God is watching us. I don't think he's up there saying, I didn't tell the Holy Spirit to relay that down there and for them to give that. Why are they giving all that stuff away to poor people? No, it's just the opposite. You don't have to be led by the Holy Spirit to give to the poor. It's already in you. Does that make sense? Now, I believe the Holy Spirit has an assignment for you for certain people. No question about that. But when you walk by somebody that's got a sign up that says, we'll work for pay, and you know they're not, or at least you think they're not. They're just out there with a sign. And you drive over and give them $20, and the neighbor says to you, that's a foolish thing, and you did it because of the heart of God, and God is watching. And who did you give that $20 to? Who did you give the $20 to? God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you gave it to God. I've always said in our benevolence that, that, that the money we're giving, yeah, we, we somewhat pre-screen people, but very little. We... we we, we, we want to help them. We don't want to leave them where they are. So when we give them benevolence, we want to figure out, okay, are you really hurting in this area? And what can we do to help get you out of our benevolence and get you back to work or whatever it is? Everybody can take a hit from now and then. I understand that. But, but it isn't a question of are you sincere. It isn't a question of you trying to take advantage of us. I would guess that people have taken advantage of us from time to time. I have said I really don't care. I'm giving this to not I, but the church is giving this to the Lord. And he who gives to the Lord can be taken care of. You understand that? Matthew 25, when you've done it to the least of them, you have done it to me. When I reached out and touched Adam... I don't care what the motive of his heart was. I was touching the Lord because that was the least of them in this world that we live in today. Living on the streets, panhandling, not able to make a way, but one of the least of them. And God somehow, through Victory Christian Center sign, the guy connected and said, I need my phone charge. He may have come in here for the phone charging, but he got dumped in him the Word of God that will never return void. Your kindness and your love can never return void. People can take from you and, and, and absorb your love and walk out the door and say they're a complete idiot. And they can never, ever, ever get rid of what you said. I don't know if I have this story right or not. See, that love of God that is in us, we take everywhere we go. Nikki Cruz, this is really dating back. Some of the, how many of you know who Nikki Cruz is? Ooh, about half. We'll have to bring the cross and the switchblade and show it some night. David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson's going on to be with the Lord. What a, uh, with a what an award. I mean, a mansion he must be in. But David Wilkerson, 
who wrote The Cross and the Switchblade, still a classic to this day. Uh, when he went to New York and God led him there, and the head of the Mau Mau gang, Nicky Cruz, who was at Victory in Tulsa, uh, I got to shake his hand if that means anything important to me. But, uh, but anyway, uh, he was the head of the Mau Mau gang, and they had murdered and stole, and they were into everything. And, uh, and, and David Wilkerson was ministering to him. And he said, get out of here. I don't want any part of you. And he said, Nikki, uh, I love you, and God loves you. And Nikki Cruz smacked him, knocked him down, pulled out his knife, and said, I'm going to cut you, and I'm going I'm to kill you. And he looked up at him and said, you can cut me in a million pieces, Nikki, but I'm going to love you anyway. And God loves you. And he hit him and beat him a few more times, left, and just what the whole movie is about. How many of you have seen The Cross and the Switchblade? It's an awesome show. A little violent, but awesome. And, uh, but, but anyway, later on, Nicky came to an outreach that he had, gave his heart to the Lord, and said, I could never, ever get away from the words you spoke. I would lay my head down, and all I could hear was, Nikki, I love you, and God loves you. And I heard that everywhere I go. It kept replaying in my head, replaying in my head, replaying in my head. We have the power, the absolute power on earth to change lives. We really do. You may not see it, but if you speak it and if you live it, you have the power over other people because when you speak into their life, they cannot get those words out. Those words go in and they will produce after their own kind. Now, when you see things er totally contrary to what I just said, and you said, yeah, well, I've been, how many of you have been doing that to a lot of people and you've seen no evidence yet? Keep doing it. Keep speaking it. Keep, keep, keep at it because those words will not return void. It will not return. Tell your neighbor, it'll not return void. It will produce what God wants it to produce. Now, if God were on this earth today, and he is in the, in the life of each and every one of us, then walking in his love is something that we would be capable of doing or he would have never told us. How many of you believe you could do a better job walking in love? Three of you. I'm glad you came tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I, want, I want you to uh, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Because there have been some situations in, in my life recently that I've, I've looked at things over the last, you know, few years. And, and I can honestly say, not, not to pat myself on the back, but some things I think I've done a really good job. I think I've done what God told me to do and walk in love. Some things are chronicled up there, and I say, oh, God, how can you put up with me? I can't believe I said and did what I did. I'm sure that I'm only speaking to Mike right now. But, but you know, we've all, we've, we've, let's all say, I've been there, done that. But yet, if we're consistently going to walk in love, then our emotions are not going to come into play, although love is an emotion. But we're not talking about the emotion of love. We're talking about God's love. But, but emotions come into play, but emotions will never control us. So that when you get hurt, you, you know when you're hurt, do you not? Let's say, I know when I'm hurt. You, you don't go lick your wounds. You just forgive them and walk on uh, and walk in love. Just like we had that one message recently about love and forgiveness. You'll never forgive the way God wants you to live, uh, wants you to forgive if you don't understand walking in love. It just never will happen. Love is the key to all of this. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I just want to read verses 4 through 8 in the commentary. I'll read the scripture to you. We, we've read this before in this church, but it is so important to get a revelation that this is how God lives because he is love, and this is how God wants each and every one of you to live your life. And it says in verse number uh, 4 of 1 Corinthians, 
love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. It does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not rejoice. Uh, it does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not uh, provoked. How many of you can easily be provoked? That's contrary to Scripture. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, so? <laughs> it, that, that's contrary to Scripture. Uh, it is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Now, I've read that for years and years and years. First got to Tulsa, got a hold of that scripture. I thought, gosh, that's such a good scripture. But about five, six years ago, maybe longer, seven years ago, I was reading the commentary on the Spirit-filled Bible. And when I read this commentary, I thought, oh, wow, I've got a ways to go. And this is what the commentary says, uh, what we just read. Love suffers long, having patience with imperfect people. Turn to your neighbor and say, I came the right night. Love is kind, and it is active in doing good. It does not ever envy. Since it is non-possessive and non-competitive, it actually wants other people to get ahead. Hence, it never parades itself. Love has a self-effacing quality. It is not ostentatious. Love is not puffed up, treating others arrogantly. It never, ever behaves rudely, but it displays good manners and courtesy. Love never seeks its own way, insisting on its own rights and demanding precedence. Rather, it is unselfish. Love is not provoked ever. It is not irritable or touchy, rough or hostile, but is graceful under pressure. Love never thinks evil of another. It does not keep an account of wrongs done to it. Instead, it erases resentments. Love does not rejoice in inequity, finding satisfaction in the shortcoming of others and spreading an evil report. Rather, it rejoices in the truth, aggressively advertising the good. Love bears all things, depending and holding other people up, defending and holding other people up. Love believes the best about others, credits them with good intentions, and is not suspicious. Love hopes all things. Love never gives up on people, but is affirming their future. Love endures all things, persevering and remaining loyal to the very end. What kind of love is that? That is the love. It's unconditional. That's right. That is the love that God is. God is what we just read. Does it sound too good to be true? I'll tell you what. When I first read it, it sounds too good to be true to me. When I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma when I got that love message. and said, it sounds too good to be true. Do you know? Say that real loud. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, that love is what God wants each and every one of us to have. And when we yield to that love, which is in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, then we're going to walk in that love. What if this Christmas we made a decision? I, I don't know why, 
But, well, yeah, I do know why, just in my own life. Christmas can be the most wonderful time. Is that that Elvis I had on? Christmas is the most wonderful time of year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Pam said, oh, that's a beautiful song. I've never heard that. And I said, i got a lot of Elvis you haven't heard. I'll get it all out. And, but, but, but anyway, it's the most wonderful time of the year. But for some people, it's the most horrible time of the year. In my life, I can flip from one remembrance, feel it right now, <laughs> I didn't want that to happen, of things that I caused in the past, especially at Christmas. And it come up to the present. And if I go there, it's taking me out of the ballgame. I can feel it. I feel some of it right now. Uh, I don't want to go there. I want to walk in love, not in remembrance of the memories of what the devil did. Does that make sense? And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You got things back there in the past that if you start to go there, well, they didn't treat me right. Well, I didn't do right. Well, you know, they weren't right. Well, I wasn't right. Well, we both weren't right. All those kind of things that go on, you can start to get caught up in that. And really, it's the lack of love, of focusing upon the love God has for us. It doesn't matter what happened. It's all gone. It's all erased. God doesn't remember it. God has forgiven you. Why are you going there? Why are you revisiting that? If the love of God will change our focus back to where God wants us to be. Can you say amen to that? Let's all stand to our feet. I believe that we are going to have an awesome, wonderful Christmas. How many of you are planning on having a great Christmas? How many of you in the past could be so-so? Could be great, could be this, could be whatever. But I believe this is going to be a great Christmas. There are people out there who need what you have. It's not about you. It was about you. Jesus came for you, and it was all about mankind. But once he came and came into our heart, then it's all about him. It's all about what can we do to fulfill our destiny on this earth. What do you have for us to do on this earth this Christmas season and in January and in February and in every single day of the year? How can I be more Christ-like? How can I do a better job of imitating God? I tell you, if you get the love message down, all of the rest will fall into place. Kind of like that Arubic thing that they used to have. You get, you get the love message down, everything else in one click, all falls into place because you know that you know that you know I love God with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. And I know that I am called by God himself to imitate him in every single thing that I do. It will change your life. And you will love imperfect people. You will love people who hurt you. You will love people who come against you. You will love people that you don't even like what they do. It doesn't mean you'll like what they do. It means you'll love them in the process. And all that you'll do is speak the Word of God over them, pray over them, believe the best for them, and believe that they will fulfill God's mandate for their life. Little Adam, whoever, wherever he is, that guy that was in this church, he's going to fulfill God's mandate because I'm praying for him, I'm speaking the word over him, and the word will not return void. He may experience some things he doesn't have to experience, but the word is in him now, and it's going to produce after its own kind. You have people assigned to you that are going to come across your path. Some of them you already know. Some of them might even be family. But you have people going to show up out of nowhere, and you're really busy being like that Samaritan, being like that Levite, and who was the other guy? I just lost. 
And see, I need you up here, honey. The Levite and the priest. Yeah. You know, you're going to be like the Levite and the priest. Well, I'm late for my... Oh, hallelujah. Didn't want to say that. I'm late for my next appointment. I don't have time for this. <laughs> That's not walking in love. you got to take the time for the people. Can you say amen to that? Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? You may be here as our one-time visitor, or you may be here as a person who's been coming to this church. But maybe you've never, ever given your life to Jesus. And you're not sure if you died tonight, you'd go to be with Jesus in heaven. The Word of God is very clear. Your spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit if you've given your heart to God. You might be here and you might be like a prodigal child. You're in this church all the time, but you know deep in your heart you've walked away from God. Well, God loves you, but he wants you to come back. And if you're here and you say, Pastor, you describe me. I know my life is not right with the Lord. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And we're going to pray for you. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and his gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.